Welcome, hearers and hearer-esses, to episode 21 of Millsy and Mason's Football Hootenanny. We've got a top guest for you tonight. It is Usman Talks United. As you may well know, I'm a United fan. Mason's a closet United fan. And um, it's the first United fan we've got on the pod so far. So I'm very happy to talk, talk about that. And I'm definitely, definitely going to uh, push him on, should, on the big question that has been on all our minds this week. How much money should we pay Steve Bruce to be our interim manager? In terms of the structure, though, you wanted to keep that a secret from me um, for some reason. So would you like to pick things up from here? I would indeed. I'm surprised it's taken us 21 episodes to start talking about Man United. But here we are. We've made it. We're at that special episode. And you may remember, dear hearers, a few episodes ago that Millsy gave a rather hard time to Tony, our resident Arsenal fan. So I got in touch with Tony and he's got a few things to say. Hey Milsi, remember me? A few weeks back, you were lecturing me about this upward trajectory Manchester United was on under Solskjaer and how really Arsenal had no business talking about finishing in the top half of the Premier League. So since you've been a bit quiet these past few weeks, I thought why not send some questions this way and see if you have finally found some good old-fashioned common sense. Well, Mason, uh, listening to that message, I think it's clear that you have well and truly stitched me up here and you are you're going to put egg on my face on the podcast that I host, so or that we host, that, but that, I, that you and I host together. <laughs> um, well, I think so. I think so. But let's see. Let's see what he asks us. He's got a few questions and uh, we're going to check in with him from time to time during our talk with Usman Talks United. OK, cool. Well, in that case, then uh, let's bring him on. <laughs> Guys, this is Millsy. This is Mason. We've got Usman Talks United and Usman is talking United to the Hootenanny tonight. Usman, welcome to the podcast. Who the hell are you and what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> First and foremost, thank you for having me. Make sure you show your support to the guys. You love to see it. Come and show support to the guys, obviously. Make sure whatever they're sharing it on, make sure you're sharing it as well. Uh, but regarding myself, I'm a Manchester United fan. I basically talk nonsense about my United, as I've just said. Um, but that's pretty much it, really. That That is uh, the general consensus. I've got Fly trying to tap me as I'm in doing this intro, but it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. We're here to top Manchester United, and we finally got a bit of positivity, i.e. a win. So let's go for it. Indeed we are. That is exactly what we're here to do. Mason, I believe you are the brains behind the concept today. Would you like to give us an idea of what, what's going to be going on? Yes, I certainly would. Uh, we had a listener who was involved in the podcast a few episodes ago by the name of Tony Deneen, a big Arsenal fan, and we have got him to send some questions back into us tonight. Fantastic news. All right. I guess then, to get started, we should probably listen to the first message. All coaches have weaknesses and strengths, but besides Solskjaer's weaknesses, what do you think was his biggest mistake in the last three months. Okay, guys, so biggest mistake Tony has asked us. Uh, I don't know if this is one we can particularly say it was one mistake or continuous mistakes on the, of, in the line. Was it just his tactical inequality to other managers? What do we think? Where do we want to start with here? Well, man, you are the guest. Take us away. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. I don't think it was just the one thing. I do think it was an accumulation of a number of things that eventually led to Oli sacking. For me personally, well, the, the, the most important thing was his lack of tactical in, in vigour. Like, in terms of, like, he had, he had no way of changing it about. He would just do the exact same thing every single week, regardless of the opponent. It became very predictable. Um, and that was something that really started to grate on me as a fan because you knew exactly what the lineup was going to be week in, week out. And you knew that, that nothing would change, regardless of how those individuals would perform. I mean, McTominay, Maguire, Luke Shaw, um, Bissaka, them, them players in particular, were dropping absolute shocking performances week in, week out. And although you got people on the bench that could potentially come and take their place, they never did. For example, when Varane was fit, Maguire could have dropped out. It could have been Varane and Lindelof, Varane and Bailly. When obviously Tellers as well, Tellers is fair, but when Tellers has been available, he could have been brought in for Luke Shaw. It's been absolutely shocking this season so far. And same with McTominay. Again, why is he starting over Van der Beek? You saw in Oli's last game, Van der Beek comes in and he scores the goal. The, the last goal of Oli's tenure, which of course was very poetic to say the least. But the second thing, which is kind of what I've alluded to, is the fact that he had favourites. And that was his biggest downfall. He died on his sword. He died on the hill, however you want to phrase it. I mean, the McFred pivot, for whatever reason, he did not want to move away from the McFred pivot. Um, it's absolutely, absolutely crazy that, for whatever reason, he just stuck by that. Um, and at the end of the day, that was the, that was the thing that led to his demise. So for me, favouritism, lack of tactics, and inability to keep the squad happy with the three main factors of him getting sacked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the McFred pivot, I was screaming about that for, 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 I don't know, what feels like months because it was just, it's so obvious that it wasn't working. And um, I think, to, to put it honestly, and this is not someone I quote a lot, but Michael Owen put it very, very well in one of his rants. I think it was uh, about a week before before the sacking. Yeah. He, he honestly put it in, in, in into words exactly how I felt because it was you play a big team, you put more defenders in. You play uh, a, a lesser team, you put more attackers in. And that was all it was. There was no exactly tactical awareness. Um, there was no sort of one system that Oli was playing. If you were talking of Ollie ball, so to say, there is there is no Ollie ball. It's it's not a thing. Um, the other thing is that you know there was no defensive organization. Our zonal marking at corners is horrendous, and I hate it. I hate everything about it. Uh, I think last season in a game at Liverpool, uh, we had Brandon Williams, you know, who was probably what five foot ten, five foot eleven, um, marking Virgil Van Dijk, who's probably the best, one of the best header headers of the ball in the world, you know, and Brandon Williams just is not that. Uh, one thing I do want to say is that Ronaldo also probably should have turned down the Ronaldo transfer. i got to be honest, absolute saviour of that man, and he single-handedly did save all his jobs so many times, but it was just so... I read an excellent piece on BBC Sport the other day that pointed out how bringing Ronaldo in gave Oli no other option than to play Ronaldo, and it just didn't fit to this to this uh, cultural reboot that we were looking for, it was just sort of falling back on the favourites, which is not which is not what we're trying to do. We're trying to we're trying to move forward instead of look backward. And by bringing in Ronaldo, you had to then move Mason Greenwood out to the right instead of playing him as a backup or, or in a rotation with Cavani. Move him out to the right. Move Rashford out to the left. 
And then there was no room for Sancho. And he just seemed incapable of playing Sancho, incapable of playing Lingard, incapable of, I guess, dropping Pogba, although he did it a couple of times, even though uh, he would then bring him on at halftime. But the other teams knew they would bring him on at halftime. I'm rambling. Uh, Mason, if you just <laughs> want to point me out when I'm rambling, you want to say something on this? Well, the, the only other thing I was going to say is I wonder if the tactical awareness deficiencies contribute to his very poor record in the semi-finals as well. You know, if if Oli would have had a couple of trophies to his name, would we also be sitting in this position here where we are today, where he's not got the job anymore? I mean, I think I'm right in saying he lost four semi-finals over those couple of years. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But still, I mean, it's a lot of missed missed trophy opportunities. And I think I, think I read the other day he's the only manager since... Fergie, who obviously has left the job without a trophy. So, I mean, we might be in a different position here today if he had won two of those trophies, maybe. I don't know. Would just, it also give him the squad more confidence and that would have, you know, led yeah, to more I mean, things? At the end of the day, Ollie has come in to do and done exactly the job he was supposed to. He came in, he has turned our squad into one that looks like on paper it should um, challenge for the league. That's it. He's done his job. He was never expected to do more than that. Although, you know, at times United fans wanted to believe he could do more than that just mm. because the story behind it, they were too willing to believe the story, uh, the, the the fairy tale. But at the end of the day, I think we can be thankful for him to him for building us a squad and a feeling around the squad and a feeling in the fans mm. that we believe in the squad. Because, I mean, ask any fan out there. And that's the thing about why no one's really unhappy that Oli is leaving, because they believe that this squad should be doing better. They, there's no there's no longer a belief that we were lucky to get top four, which I think has been true in the past couple of seasons. I think we should probably move on to the second voice message. Mason, what do you reckon? Yeah, we, we've talked about Ollie leaving. So with that being said, uh, let's see what Tony asks next. Who would you actively pursue to become the next Manchester United coach um, for next season? Right. Okay, guys, let's talk about next manager. Then We've talked about Oli going and now let's move on to let's let's start with interim manager and then we'll talk about the coach for next season. So I know, Millsy, I know you've got some big opinions on this, but I want to start with Usman. So let's start here and let's see where we go. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, there's been a lot of speculation regarding Pochettino coming in um, for, in the very uh, near future. I mean, that would have been... Ideal in the sense that if you'd come in mid-season, of course, potentially try and salvage this season for what it is. I get top four, I have a good run in the competition. Um, however, I think the most likely interim is probably Ragnik. That's if that's his name. Um, of course, he's done a lot of good work in terms of shaping German football uh, in the past. I don't know a crazy amount about him. I've got to be honest. Uh, I do. I do. I do know enough in terms of who he's coached, who he's mentored, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in terms of watching his teams with an actual microscope, I can't really go into much detail. But from what I have heard, um, he's a fantastic coach. Um, but what I do know, he's a brilliant sporting director. Uh, and for me personally, if he was to come in as an interim, I would love it if he then went into a sporting director role and then we were to get uh, a proper coach, in my personal opinion, someone on the come up rather than someone towards the back end of their career in terms of manager so for me Ragnik has an interim towards the end of the season then get the likes of Pacho or Ten Hag that would be my ideal scenario okay yeah all makes sense um Millsy I'm afraid to ask but who is your shout for interim manager 
I mean, guys, let's not let's not count Steve Bruce out before you know. We want a bit of Brucey ball. I mean, let, 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 let's bring him in, give him to the end of the season, <laughs> see, see what he does. I, I I just I would like to see what happens. I mean, it'd be such a crazy world where Steve Bruce is managing United. I I just want to see it just just because there's some sort of curious thing inside me that just needs to see Steve Bruce bossing the touchline at Old Trafford for a season. Have we not suffered enough as fans? Or like, do you want more suffering? Like, I don't understand. Like, um, I, I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you're joking. But then again, you've said it with so much conviction. I'm starting to believe that you actually mean it. So, like, Brucey giving instruction to Ronaldo is that where we are now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm worried about uh, Bruce. I mean, we all like a Brucey bonus, but this would make Manchester United the laughing stock of of football. I think. Now, what I found quite interesting with Bruce is that. I did read he's got basically the exact same win percentage as Rafa Benitez at Newcastle. And yet one's seen as an absolute cult hero and one's like the worst man in the world. So, you know, maybe Bruce, he can do something for, for United, but um, I, I don't see it. I, don't, I do not see it happening. It, it cannot happen. If we are, if we are going to bring him in, chuck him at centre-back and get Maguire out of there. Right? Um, I was about to say, it would be better than Maguire and give him the armband as well while we're at yeah. it. Bloody hell. The the problem the the problem with this interim manager business as well is I'm pretty sure Ollie was only supposed to be an interim originally right and he got a good run of results and then he became a yeah. full time manager so hang on could Mason, that not happen with Brucey Mason you you gotta cut that kind of talk we don't talk about that stuff anymore about how Ollie was also interim that's that's sort of we don't talk about that stuff anymore okay we <laughs> leave it out all right leave it out I was thinking though I was watching uh, an interview uh, or or some sort of show earlier uh, today with. Neville and, and, and Keane, and they were sort of, I don't know, it was Neville interviewing Keane or something. They were taking a walk with his with Keane's oh, dog or overlap. something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. The overlap. And and Keane was saying he wanted to get back into into uh, management. Oh, he, has, oh. he has managed Premier League and he has strong opinions. And honestly, the, what the United squad needs right now is just literally a crack of the whip is, is what they need. Because Ollie, Ollie is oh. your best mate, right? Ollie is everyone's best mate. And he's a lovely... Lovely bloke, Lo- love the guy. Have no bad words to say about him personally, but that's also one of, was one of his weaknesses is that he's too much of a nice guy and he's he's not going to sh- shout you down. Whereas you know, Keen for nine months as a manager is just to give him a kick up the arse oh, so no, that they're no. so that they're happy about whoever comes in next. I was no, thinking, I, I, mean, I don't think that approach works in this. I mean, Keen's been at Ireland, hasn't he? It's not like he hasn't had managerial jobs and he's massively failed to own. In every job he's had in terms of an assistant or whatever it is, I mean, yeah, you most of your obsession with ex players. <laughs> if there are other managers out there, by the way, it doesn't have let's to get Mark Hughes in. Yeah. Exactly, you must get Mark Hughes in then. At least, oh god, yeah, I, I'd rather yeah. not get Keen or Brucey. I, uh, in I mean, if there was if there was one ex player who who I think would do a job as an interim manager, it's Keen because based I mean, on what? Based on what? I mean, he took Sunderland from uh, second last in the championship to the Premier League and, and Premier League survival as well, actually. Um, so, I mean, he hasn't failed in every job he's done. And I think the reason him and Alex Ferguson didn't get on so well is because they were too much of a similar personality, you know. And I think, as I say, I think what our dressing room needs is a bit of a kick up the arse. And if it's anyone who's going who's gonna to do it, it's going to be him. I mean, you can yeah, say, I mean, you know... I, I mean, bring him in the coaching staff potentially but I mean I wouldn't do that either but no way is Keane the manager of my night this isn't 
get the band back together. This isn't friends, <laughs> you know, a job for the boys. Like, we need to move away from that. I thought you'd have learned from Oli that that is not the way to go. I mean, it just it just isn't the levels of the football club. For me, you've got Ragnik there available, as I mentioned, who seems interested in taking the job, who's actually got a lot of credentials behind him and a really good CV. Um, and he's also got the ability to be a sporting director. It would be killing two birds with one stone, we'd take him as a sporting director, then potentially get like the likes of Apocho or Ten Hagen, and then you've basically replaced, well, you've fixed the sporting director issue and then you fix the manager issues. If we get Keane in, Lord have mercy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's all I, there's going to be an exodus of players uh, prior to anyone coming in. So, yeah, I just thought that would be the right move. True. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm honestly not actually for ex-players. I think that I saw there was talk about Valverde, Valverde today, and I think he'd be a, do a decent job. There are a couple others I think would do a decent job. But I think for full-time manager, because I didn't actually um, say anything about this, but I think I, I saw... Uh, when Oli went, I was I was baffled. I was like, there is there is no plan. And honestly, they didn't have a plan. I think they've lucked out in the fact that that Pock has actually talked in the press to say that he wouldn't be against getting the United job. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, get him in now. Get him get him working now. Get him working this season. Give him a season. See what he can do this season, and then back him back him in in the summer. And I think Pock is my number one choice. Or as you say, Ten Hag from, from uh, Ajax, because I've watched them in their football and the way they, they play football, it's just, it's it's next level stuff. And I think I think those two players are my number. I never really wanted Zidane. I don't know what Zidane ball is. I don't, I know he's worked with Ronaldo and he won three Champions Leagues and a, and a La Liga, but I just don't know what his style is. And I, I'm not sure what he would be able to um, do with us. Mason, you want to add anything? I mean, I was, I was going to ask if Paul Lintz has got a manager, uh, managerial job these days, considering uh, you talk about former players. But if we're going to go into him, I'd say I'd say Valverde or, or Rangnick, as, as, as you say, I don't really know that much about him. I've only I've only read what other people have written about him. And honestly, I, I, I think if we can get Pop now, we go Pop. And with that being said, let's go back to the phone. Let's see if Tony's got any more questions for us. Say a new coach comes in, comes season end. Who would you actively try to offload? Because in your opinion, they've shown that they are not good enough considering Manchester United's aspirations. No? Who do you think has had more than enough chances to prove their worth and they just not measure up? Okay, so which players have to go? I've got a feeling we could name quite a few between us. Um, Millsy, let's start with you this time. Let's let's try and name three players each, which we think potentially have to go. Players that have to go. I mean, I'm not sure it's so much about players that have to go rather than players that have to be put in differently into the system. So like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, excellent defensively, terrible attacking. If we play three, if we play three at the back with Varane, Maguire, and and him on on the right hand side. They have backup. Sancho can play right wing back because he does excellent defensive work. And Luke Shaw is left free to roam on the left, but can also do some defending. I think this season, Luke Shaw has been one of my big surprises for how poor he has been. And I think one of the reasons Maguire has also been so Wait, poor is that you, Shaw has often left him exposed. Did you say, Mills, did you just say Sancho right wing back? Sorry. Yeah, as, as, oh, as like a, no, I a wing back. back. I mean, at Dortmund, at Dortmund, he did excellent defensive work, tracking back and whatnot. I, I think. Know, it, but Hakimi was there, wasn't he? And uh, Guerrero, he wasn't. 
he wasn't the actual wing back. It was Hakimi. Then when Hakimi left, Guerrero was the wing back, wasn't it? It wasn't actually Sancho is not a right wing back. That's not putting Rashford at left wing back. That just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean it's 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 generally more of an attacking wing back rather than a defensive wing back, uh, where he's doing sort of more attacking but helping out with defence when 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 needs be. Um, because as I say, Wambasaka will be there to behind him, and I think too often this season Luke Shaw and Wambasaka have been off on rampaging runs, and and our, our centre backs have been left sort of in three four on two situations. We, we, you know, we, we, with no support, and they've just been totally exposed. Um, even though we have, you know, the McTominay Fred pivot, which you think would add a bit more support to the centre backs, which it has not done at all either. Um, sorry, players that have to go. Players that have to go. I'm not a massive fan of Pogba, if I'm honest. I, I mean that, that he he has games where he looks like a world beater. First game of the season. This season was one of them, but he's just too inconsistent. Too much about himself. Not enough about putting his head down. I mean, he, he puts out a bunch of marketed social media posts every now and then about how much he loves the club and whatnot. But I, I, I just, I just don't believe it. I just, I just, don't, I don't really believe it. I don't think that many players have to go. To be honest, um, it's more that they, we just have to use them differently. Because as I say, I think our squad is good. McTominay or Fred, one of the two. I'm not sure which one I'm most lukewarm about. To be honest, if not both of them. Yeah, I think that's probably about it for me. I think our centre-backs are good. Tony, from the messages, uh, thinks that, that Maguire is, is terrible. He thinks he's one of the worst centre-backs in the Premier League. I disagree, but that's just my view on it. And I think we've got, you know, nine players who, who fit into a, a league-winning team. It's just the last two. That's it. I mean, I think, sorry, just butt in there, but the Sancho being put into a wing-back situation almost feels like a, a, a round peg being put into a square hole, really. It's, it's, not, his, it's not his natural position. He's, he's a great attacking player, and to put him back there seems, seems like a waste to me. Defensive-wise, I think there are a few defenders. Um, let's start with Phil Jones. I mean, I know he hasn't really played, but he's still in the squad. He doesn't need to be there. We need to probably offload him. And I think uh, maybe Bailly, Bailly, I'm not sure if Bailly cuts it, Lindy Love. Um, probably isn't up to standard. Usman, what do you reckon? I mean, there's definitely players that need to go, like you mentioned Phil Jones. Um, I mean, Phil Jones is going to, well, he needs to go. Lingard is going to go. Cavani is going to go. So that's pretty, but for me personally, I don't actually agree in terms of the Maguire thing. Um, I don't think Maguire should be starting for Manchester United. I know he's been paid a stupid amount of money for him. Um, but I would say the three players I would replace from the starting 11, um, so they need to go to the bench. Maguire, McTominay and Wan-Bissaka. Them three, I've had enough of all three of them. Wan-Bissaka is still young, still have faith that he can turn it around. However, from what I'm seeing at him, from him at the moment going forward, is really, really poor. Like He's talking League One standard. Um, he literally can't cross at all. Like And he can't even make basic passes. He's tripping over the ball. Literally, it's like he's on ice and he's Bambi. Um, it's crazy. It's just, it's, I just don't know what his feet are doing the whole game. Um, obviously, he has good moments here and there, but that's what I would expect from a footballer at Manchester United Football Club. McTominay goes without saying, he's nowhere near good enough to be starting week in, week out. Um, squad that at best, if not sell him, which he, which won't happen realistically, so I'm not going to waste my breath on it. Uh, and then Maguire, for me, he needs to be replaced. I mean, okay, granted, you know, Lindelof and Bayer are definitely, I mean, I personally think Bayer's better than Maguire, but he's ever fit. And Lindelof, um, He's not better than Maguire. However, um, I would say we need another centre-back to partner Varane. 
Um, and I would go somebody else and Varane because Maguire for me has shown me time and time again that he's not good enough for Manchester United Football Club. Uh, maybe the captaincy is weighing too heavy on him. I don't know if that's affecting him mentally. Potentially it is. But nevertheless, he needs to up his game massively because it's not acceptable to be defending like that. He's made more tackles on Luke Shaw this season than he has on anybody else. And that's not <laughs> even taking the piss. That that's probably a fact. That I, yeah, generally pulled Luke Shaw down so many times or fouled him, ran into him, and it's just I'm sick and tired of it. Luke Shaw's our player, Maguire. Can you please stop? Like, yeah, it's getting out of hand. So yeah, Maguire, McTominay, Wamsaka for me. I mean, them three need to get placed. We know Jones, Lingard, and Cavani are going. So, but I hope it answers the question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the 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 backup centre backs are not good enough. Maybe Lindelof can come in and do a job. I mean, he he can do a job. I mean, as as a as a as a backup to give us a, a little bit of depth when you know one of the other two starting centre backs, maybe he can do a job. But Bailey is, is is. I mean, he's never fit enough. I think he averages something like ten appearances a season. Why do we give him a new contract? Phil Jones, I completely honestly forget that he's at the club sometimes. Um, I saw I saw him in the other day. He was in in pictures. He's got a beard, um, so that's that's something new. But honestly, yeah, I, I, honestly, I think Maguire is a damn good centre back. But I do as think as you say that the we gave him the captaincy way too soon. It's weighed on him. And okay, exactly. so before before we start that conversation, before we start that conversation, let's see if Tony's got another question for us. If it was you taking over Manchester United, would you strip off the captaincy band of um, Harry Maguire? knowing what that could do to his confidence or would you keep him as captain and if you chose to take the captaincy off him who would you give that armband to yeah okay so um in in terms of Maguire dropping the captaincy I mean I would I would definitely strip him of the captaincy we saw in the last three weeks that he's 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 been he's been a hidden man you know people have been hammering him in the press and he's he's cowed away from it. He's he's not answered it or anything. Who I th- who I think should be captain is De Gea because De Gea. We saw the 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 video of him leaving the leaving the pitch after the City game. You know, sort of punching the stand. That's the passion I want to see in a captain. Not not Maguire stood there looking there. You know, like 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 the ogre he is, looking like he doesn't know where he is. He looks like an ogre taken out of his swamp, basically, <laughs> to use my previous uh, metaphor. But um. No, he he's not a captain. He doesn't he doesn't look like one. And I think that's the reason we see, you know, performances from him with England where he took us to the semi-finals without conceding a goal. That's what makes me think somewhere in there is a good defender. And at Leicester he was a damn good defender as well. I mean, when when we bought him, everyone thought he was the savior come to uh, sort out our defensive problems. And I think that defender is still in there somewhere, but with a lack of uh, a tactical system, a lack of defensive system under Oli um, and the captaincy weighing on his shoulders, I think it's been his biggest problems. And as I say, David De Gea has been the man standing up in front of the press, giving the kind of speeches that I think he should be give, give, giving. And when um, when Oli left, I think he was probably the first player to post anything about it. You you saw the love that he had for Oli, even though Oli had dropped him at times where it seemed unsure whether Oli was supporting De Gea or, or Henderson for the number one spot. He stuck with it, and he's always stuck with us. And he, you know, and I, I think. He's, you know, our second longest serving player after Phil Jones, talking about it. <laughs> em- embarrassing, really. Uh, but no, I think, I, honestly, I think David De Gea is my number one choice for captain because he, he showed me in the last few weeks that, that he will stand up and say, look, we've not been good enough. We need to be better. And he was absolutely 100% spot on. What do you reckon, man? 
Yeah, I think you nailed it, to be fair. I mean, in terms of Maguire, quickly before we go into De Gea, um, I think the captaincy should have been taken off him as soon as Ronaldo landed, to be honest. As soon as Ronaldo uh, left the airport, they should have been waiting in a car, giving him the armband in a briefcase. Like, for me, the fact that Maguire's not got it is absolutely embarrassing. The fact that he was given the captaincy initially so early in his tenure without proving his worth to the club. I mean, the fact he got it over Bruno Fernandes, I just don't understand. Like, Bruno was at the club at the point. I should have already given a Bruno over Maguire. It didn't make sense. But in terms of Maguire, as, as a leader, he has absolutely no leadership. Time and time again, he's proved that he's not a leader. He's a coward, if anything. Like I said, he pulled down Luke, he's pulled down Luke Shaw more than he's pulled down anybody else. And the, the fact that there's been games that we've been battered um, and a post-match press conference is either not even turned up and he sent somebody else out who's not even relevant to the last. Or he's come to the press conference saying, I don't even want to be here, but I have to be here sort of thing. I mean, that is not the that is not the leadership I would expect from a captain of Manchester United Football Club. Um, and as you said, David De Gea has been, a, has been a shining light this season, but off the pitch as well, he's been a shining light. He's really upheld the standards of the football club uh, in the manner in which he's somewhat reacted to the de- defeats. Of course, there was that incident when he punched the tunnel on the way out, which showed his frustration that, that was our half time against City, but in general, he spoken so passionately and with the real regard to who my United are as a football club. And I respect De Gea highly. So for me, it's either De Gea or Ronaldo. Ronaldo, because of the person he is, the stature that he comes with it. Um, of course, he's only just come, but who's going to say anything to Ronaldo if he's the captain? I mean, he is the natural born leader on that pitch. He's the alpha male for a reason. He's one of the greatest of all time. It goes without saying. Um, however, Ronaldo's side, it would be De Gea. So it's between them two, really. It's a toss-up between them two. But if the, if the new manager does not take it off Maguire, that is going to be massively disappointing because for me, he doesn't deserve to be the captain. He probably doesn't deserve to be the pitcher, in my opinion, let them to, to wear the armband. The, the interesting thing with Ronaldo is I think he acts like a captain anyway, right? He doesn't yeah. He doesn't actually need the armband to show yeah, those true. leadership qualities. He just does it just by his natural um, yeah, personality and characteristics. With De Gea, the only concern would be, is he going to stay around long term or are we hoping Dean Henson's going to come and fill his boots, right? Because, or fill his gloves, I should probably say, because he's, he's, Dean Henson is probably the future. I think we probably agree with that. Do we want the captain to change every year? Does that also cause inconsistencies? You probably want somebody who's going to be around for the next few years, although if we say Ronaldo anyway, he's probably not got many years left in him. So that's the thing about if we, if we bank on De Gea now, De Gea's probably got three, four more years in him. And Henderson's Henderson's not sticking around, is he? He's, He's not, not sticking around him. to be De Gea's number two, let's be honest. And I think that's one of the biggest crises that we face this season that just has gone completely under the radar. I know Henderson was injured for a bit, but I think the fact that he's not getting game time at all now, whereas last season he was rotated in a little bit, I think that's one of the biggest crises that the new manager has got to sort of face. But that's because De Gea's been absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, he's been a shiny light this season. You can't really drop him. He's been a player of the season for me personally. Could you not play him in the cups though? I mean, you know, it's quite well, often. We're, a... we're out the cups. Well, we're no, but in <laughs> but we were in, we were in. So you know, I guess in general going forward, is that going to be enough for Henson? If we said next year De Gea played league and Henson played all cups, is that sufficient, or do we even want that to happen? Because you know, risking Europe um, by playing your second choice goalkeeper potentially isn't a good good option either. I mean, I mean, the, the big clubs like, you know, Barca and Madrid, they had keepers like that, where one, uh, I think it was like Ter Stegen at Barcelona played the, 
played the, the league and then another one played the Champions League and, and Cups. And I think we have enough Cups slash Champions League games in this country where you can have two goalkeepers for that. And the question is whether Henderson will be happy with that. Or if you want Henderson playing, if you don't want Henderson playing in the Champions League, do you play De Gea Champions League and then Henderson in the league the week after? As you said, you are absolutely correct where you say De Gea is undroppable at the moment, and he is. But he's only going to be undroppable for the next two or three years, whereas Henderson, if you pick him now and he gets into the sort of rhythm that you want him to get in, he's the keeper for the next 10 years. He is the next De Gea, who has been there 10 years now. Yeah, but has Dean Henderson... I mean, for me personally, I don't. I never thought he was ready to come back to me now. I thought he needed a bit more time. He's still a young keeper, learning his trade, and he has a lot of mistakes in him, which he has shown. Like he, I mean, he took his chance initially, hence why he kept his spot in the team. But the reason De Gea came back in prior to his injury was the fact that he was starting to drop clangers like week in, week out. And the pressure got to him, which is understandable for a young goalkeeper at Man United. That is going to happen, but... For me personally, it is, it is very unfortunate what's happening with Henderson. Uh, but nevertheless, like De Gea is more than warranted to start. And I don't think the club thing is going to work because we're already out of the Carlin Cup and I don't want to see Henderson playing the Champions League over at David De Gea. You need to play your best players. And at the moment, De Gea is our second best player on the pitch after Ronaldo. Would say. I, think, I think we probably messed it up last season by not sending Dean Henderson back out on loan somewhere when Oli tried to sort of just give him a battle for the number one spot, which just... It was always going to end in tears because, I mean, you either sell one of the most senior players in the dressing room or you sell Henderson and you, you lose what is probably going to be, you know, the England keeper for the next, what, 10 years or something as soon as he gets the starting spot. I mean, as soon as he cuts those mistakes out. And let's not forget that De Gea also had those mistakes in him when he first came in. You know, he, he was he was known as, oh, that's what they call it. They called him the vampire because he couldn't deal with crosses. Um, so let's not forget too quickly that yes, some goalkeepers have mistakes in them, but if you trust them, they build up experience and they come good. So as I say, uh, we got a bit off topic there. Uh, we got away from the, from the McGuire uh, captaincy debate. Um, Mason, do you want to say anything about that? I feel like we sort of robbed your time there. No, no, that's all good. We've had a good goalkeeper discussion. We've got to move on to I think it's going to be the last question from Mr. Deneen. If you had the chance to go back in time and sabotage one of the most recent signs that Manchester United did, would you actually take that opportunity? Is there one of the most recent signings that now you think, I wish we didn't actually got that player, no? Thinking that maybe the signing did more harm than good. Okay, guys, this is probably my favorite question from Tony here. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what you boys want to pick. So which signing from recent years would you sabotage as man? Uh, I'm assuming that's not including Maguire, right? It's, it's just what... But sorry, that's you're completely right. That's not including Maguire. I think Maguire has been uh, well and truly um, shown to be the sabotage signing. So let's let's exclude him from okay, this conversation. Because, yeah, we don't want him to be Maguire. Uh, criticism, sure, do we? Um, yeah, so for me... I know what a lot of other people are going to say, but for, uh, for me personally, I'm going to have to go for Juan Bissaka. Um, main reason being, well, there's a few reasons, but one of the reasons is Hakimi was actually available at the same time. And I was absolutely devastated we didn't go for Hakimi when he was leaving Dortmund um, to uh, go into Milan. He, he was available, but we went for Juan Bissaka, um, which for me was an absolute shambles of a mistake or decision, um, as, as it's shown in the last couple of years. Also, regarding Wamasaka, it's quite clear he's very good defensively, or has his tendencies to be very good defensively, although he still has some things that he needs to improve on. 
Um, his overall ability going forward is massively hurting us. Um, I feel like every time the ball gets played to him on the wing, um, a lot of the opposition team know to either press him, put him under pressure, um, or sometimes they know he's not going to do much with the ball, so it just allows them to, to regroup, uh, no stress whatsoever. When he's going forward, he doesn't offer anything really of real quality consistently. So, yeah, if I was to replace anyone, it would be obviously Maguire. But as we mentioned, he's off, off the table. So it would have to be Wan-Bissaka for me. OK, Millsy, what do you reckon? I think, firstly, I'd stop us signing Bailey to a new contract because I don't think he was worth it. And I think that was just Man United trying not to lose their investment. Uh, so that was going to be my first choice. Again, not giving Phil Jones a new contract, I think, what, two years ago or something? Ridiculous idea. We we just seem to be afraid of losing someone on a free that we just give useless players longer contracts. As I say, because we, we, we think someone might come in uh, for them in the next window. But I think that the guy I'm going to pick is Fred because let's not forget, we paid £47 million for this man. And... How much do you think he's probably worth in the, in the current market? Probably something like fifth. I mean, even in the current footballing market, which is insane. It's insanity is the current current football transfer market. But I'd say even in that market, he's worth about fifteen million. So I think he's probably one, if not if not Pogba, because as I say, I think Pogba's a guy you bring in and and you just know he's not there for the club. He's just he's there for himself, and that that's it. He's in it. He's in it for his. For himself and his Instagram. Let's not forget his Instagram photo or, or Twitter picture. I can't remember which one it was. His profile picture is him with the World Cup. Which, okay, fair enough. If you won the World Cup, you're putting yourself in no, with the World Cup. <laughs> but it's not it's not him with United. And let's let's be honest. Where have his best performances been? It's been in a France shirt. It's not been in the United shirt. If I win the World Cup, sorry, when I win the World Cup, Millsy, please do not offend it when I put that in my profile picture instead of a hoot and nanny picture because I I know which I'm choosing already. Those man, what do you want to respond to this? I think you, you're going to disagree, or? Yeah, so regarding the Pogba thing, for me personally, I don't agree with the Instagram uh, comment. I think that was bang out of order, I'm not going to lie. I, um, he had an opportunity to go back to Real Madrid, I think we've forgotten, and he chose to come back to Man United. Um, OK, granted, his the agent's been an absolute parasite, to say the least, uh, with his comments throughout, and Pogba hasn't helped himself. There is no denying that whatsoever. Um, so I would agree with Pogba to help himself, but I don't think Pogba came back for the wrong reasons. I do believe the club have somewhat failed, failed him in a sense because, I mean, the Pogba always gets the scrutiny, which is understandable because you know he's a he's a big money signing, he's a big player. But you've got to look at the other players who has been consistent since Pogba's joined United. You can't name one player. There's not been one player that's done well. You said some most of his best performances have been for France, which is again correct. Um, but that's because our France team is a very stable team. They've got a lot of quality in that team. Um, I just think a lot of the main actors have not been consistent since post Fergie. I can't think of one player that's consistently been good. Even De Gea had a massive lull when everyone thought he was finished. Like De Gea would have been the only one that you could have potentially mentioned. Apart from De Gea, since Pogba's come, I mean, De Gea hasn't been consistent since Pogba's come, but in general, since post Fergie, De Gea is the only player you can really name. Everybody else in the main in the main action has been up and down, up and down. Look at Rashford, look at Martial, uh, look at all the defence. Luke Shaw just showed Collis literally prior to the season, and now he's back to being shocking. I mean, it's the same for Shaw, really. Shaw's been up and down as well. So I do think that's a bit harsh on Pogba because I think it's been a collective, not just a Pogba thing. But obviously, the comments from Riola and 
Pogba sort of entertaining is a bit annoying, to be honest. Yeah, that's 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 the thing that I mean is is that he 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 does just seem sort of distracted at times. And honestly, I'm going to put this out there right now. I do go hot and cold on Pogba. There 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 are times, and it's the same. I think it's the same with, with, with it was the same with the hope for Oli Oli succeeding at United. There were times where I was like, yes, Oli's going to do it. He's our savior. And then there were times where I was like. This Oli guy doesn't know what he's doing, does it? And then, you know, the next week I was thinking, oh, actually, he does know what he's doing. He might be a tactical genius. Yeah, you're right, to be honest. You're right. No one has been consistent. That That is one thing that, that can be said. No one's been consistent. Bruno was consistent up until around this season. I mean, he started the season well and then has also gone off the ball. To be fair, over the, I don't think we can count, say, the last six weeks because everyone's yeah, gone I off think, the ball. I think Bruno, Bruno deserves a buy, to be fair, because he's been consistent for so long. Um, mm. Interesting fact: My dad hates Bruno and thinks he's a terrible player. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not a United fan. I'll put that out there right now. He's not a United fan, but he hates Bruno Fernandez because he saw he saw seen him dive a couple of times, and he's one of those guys who's like, football's not as good as it used to be. If, if you were, if you're George Best, you just go out there and you 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 didn't need any of you know tactical knowledge or something. You went out there and you, you're a world class player because you're world class. But Bruno is nothing. Um, so. That's sort of an insight into my dad's views on him. Well, we know your dad would pick for this question. Though. <laughs> Absolutely. It'd be his number one pick. Him or him or Pogba, who he calls Admiral Pigbar. Don't ask. I don't, I don't know why he calls him that, but he does. I'm, I'm glad you've brought that up, Millsy, because now we have a voicemail from Millsy Senior. We don't. <laughs> Imagine if we did, though. Imagine if we that did. That would be so good. To be fair... Um, uh, my wedding was a couple months ago and Mason came to the, uh, this wedding and him and my dad actually hit it off. I, I think he, he's better friends with my dad now than he is with me, to be honest. And uh, yeah. there, was, there was talk about him forming a, a rival pod with my dad. That's class, that. Congratulations, congratulations, by the way, for the wedding. <laughs> Thank you very much. Two months strong now. Yeah, as I say, I, I mean, it's more Fred than Pogba. What, what's your thoughts on Fred? Um, I think yesterday showed that he has got the capabilities of doing something. Um, I mean, I've I've always I've been very critical of Fred, but a lot of that criticism has been uh, labelled as a as a pair with him and McTominay, not as an individual. That makes sense. I've always said Fred are not good enough. I've never said. I mean, I've said McTominay's not good enough, but I feel like Fred sometimes is kind of put put with McTominay uh, unjustifiably. I think I'm not saying he's a world be. I think Fred would be a very good squad player. Similar to what Herrera was from United, uh, so I think Fred definitely has uh, has his purpose in the in the squad, not in the first lineup, not in the starting lineup, but in the squad. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And Fred is another player I'm who I'm hot and cold on all the time because, as I say again, it's it's consistency. He doesn't he he, he has games where you think, my God, this guy is is a revelation. Uh, there was, you know, when we beat I think PSG last season or something, the pivot worked absolutely perfectly, and I, that was the thing about Oli is that. It seemed that when his tactic worked in one game, he then never used a different tactic. It was just like he it was like he saw it and thought, well, that works. Let's just keep doing that because it worked that one time. Just to wrap it up there. I, th- I think, Mason, you want to what, what, what would you say about this? I think you've covered them, to be honest. I think um, obviously Maguire can be discussed. Lindy Love can be discussed. Baye can be discussed. Fred can be discussed. Don't be so Bournemouth. Stop sitting on the fence. Who's right? Me or Usman? <laughs> and remember who's po- who's Podger on here. Absolutely, absolutely. But remember, you your your rivalry with his dad. So you know, you guys just remember that as well. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to say Bruno, aren't I? Because Millsy Senior's got to be correct. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly. Get those brownie points in there. 
<laughs> right, I think we, we've we've gone through all the questions that we had from our very good listener and friend Tony to the podcast. Usman, is there any other topics that you wanted to discuss here today? Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Usman, are we finishing above Arsenal this season? What do you reckon? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. There's no way we can, right? Even if Brucey does come in, and fingers crossed, guys, <laughs> fingers crossed, everyone out there, big up the Bruce. Oh, my dear God. I, I've got one more question, guys, before we finish up. I've got a question. What is going to be considered success for this season? This season, I, I want to see at least a trophy. I, I, I want a trophy now. We've been, what, how long? Four or five years without a trophy now? When was it? 2016? Europa League was the last? Or 2017? 2016? Five years without a trophy you know, it, it's it's start it's starting to become a thing, and I don't want it to become a thing. So we need a trophy this season, 100%. There's nothing else I want from this season. Um, of course, you know, Champions League, whatever. We're only 12 points off top. I I think if we bring a, a top manager in who, who can get this club playing, you know, it's not so far out of a thing. Oh, maybe I'm God. being a bit, you know, I, I, maybe I'm being First a bit. First, you want uh, Steve Bruce now to win the title? Oh Lord. <laughs> Steve Bruce. <laughs> Steve Bruce is the man to take us back to the top, guys. I mean, okay. you had it here first. You had it here first. Steve Bruce's first Premier League Championship trophy as a manager is coming apparently uh, at the end of this season. Somehow we're going to catch up Chelsea and Man City. I mean, technically, still do the travel according to Steve Bruce Mills here, but <laughs> Steve Mills Bruce. So you know, anything can slap in us. Don't 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 lose faith. Don't lose faith, guys. <laughs> As, as man, what do you reckon? What do you reckon? Champions League is that going to be considered successful this season, oh, yeah, or would you even be happy with sixth? I, I mean, if we got if we won the Champions League, I would I wouldn't even care where we finished to be honest, uh, just because the fact obviously it's a major trophy and it guarantees us Champions League football. Um, of course, your bread and butter is the league. Um, however, there's no point coming forth. I mean, there is a point coming forth, but I mean, it's not a big deal if we don't come forth fourth if we win the Champions League. Of course, um, for me personally, what is success? Uh, I initially said uh, prior to the season commencing uh, under Ali, the, six, uh, the minimum, bare minimum was competing for the title, which uh, still can happen under Bruce, uh, as we've just established, and uh, winning the trophy. So uh, uh, competing on all competitions and winning the trophy, um, an FA Cup, Carling Cup, whatever it may be, of course, the Carling Cup's gone. Um, so, yeah, now, given the fact that we get an interim manager, I think you do need to move... Uh, the expectation is slightly because it is a different ball game to an extent. So I would deem it success given the circumstances. Top four, probably the FA Cup. I don't know if that success is the right word I'd use for that, but I'd deem it as a, a good season in the end given the circumstances. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's a trophy and it's top four. Like, I agree with Mills. We have to win a trophy this season. It's been way too long and we don't want to become awesome, do we? Let's be real. No. Absolutely not. We need to keep the trophies, keep the trophies going because they've actually won a trophy more recently than we have. And, and say, as I say, that's the first reply that they're going to say. Well, we won it two years ago. Well, it is where it is. Yeah, back to back, it is where it is. But yeah, we don't. To be fair out. though, for, for for Arsenal, not winning the FA Cup is a failure. They, they should be guaranteed the FA Cup at this point. They are they are an FA Cup team, aren't they? Let's be honest. I, but I, I mean, honestly, I'm sitting there as I say when, when we haven't won one in five. Let's let's move swiftly on. Sammy, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, I think that's it. That's all we've got time for. Thank you, Usman, very very much for joining us and uh, sure. partaking in all those crazy questions from Tony. Really enjoyed that, and uh, thank you once again. Anything else you want to plug while you're here? Yeah, just before I do the plug, I just want to say firstly, thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Make sure you support the guys on all their endeavours, obviously, wherever they're posted. Make sure you follow and social, follow on all the socials. 
obviously sharing all that good stuff, man. And you're a support the people is completely free. Uh, regarding myself, um, if you wish to obviously hear my thoughts on Manchester United Football Club, you can check me out, Usman Talks United. So that's two A's, Talks United on YouTube and Twitter. Yep, all these links will be in the show notes and uh, when we share it on Twitter, which is probably the most likely place you'll see us. We do have an Instagram or Facebook. You can follow us on there if you like. But uh, as I say, Twitter is where we're mostly active. So follow everyone on the, on this uh, podcast and you'll, you'll be doing something right. Thanks very much again, Usman. Have gotcha. a uh, great time. Good luck. Let's see what happens this season, eh? Peace. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was our chat with Usman Talks United, and he was not a fan of my Steve Bruce agenda. Uh, Mason, what are your takeaways from that? It's a good question, Mosey. I think we can probably all agree that Steve Bruce would certainly take the club into a new direction. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I, think, I think you're probably right with that one. Um, we disagreed about Maguire, but... I won't hold that against him. He's a top top guy, top lad. It was great having him on. And um, I really enjoyed the, the tough debate. It was much more uh, mentally tasking with my beer this evening than I imagined this evening was going to be. But I enjoyed it. And it's great to hear uh, you know, a viewpoint other than your own. I think everybody could benefit from that to make it a rather wholesome ending this evening. What do you think? Yeah, I certainly agree. And I think everyone, make sure you give Usman Talks United a follow on all the usual social medias, as well as us, of course. We all would truly appreciate it. Absolutely. we And we want to hear from you as well. So get in touch. Let us know what you thought. Let us know uh, how you think we should proceed. Should we proceed in a direction that Steve... No, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. That's too much, too much Bruce. Too much Bruce. Get in touch with us and let us know what you want to hear next. Uh, we can't wait to hear from you. And I think... That probably wraps us up for tonight. Thank you very much again for joining me, Mr. Mason. It's been a pleasure to talk to you this evening, have a beer with you, and uh, see your wonderful face, which sadly the hearers cannot hear, but I can, and, and it is absolutely my pleasure. I cannot wait till next time, Elsie.